Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. Do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? They said, some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets, and he said unto them, Whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whosoever and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shalt be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then charged he his disciples that they should tell no man that he was Jesus the Christ. Let us pray. Our Father, we know who you are in our hearts. We desire to proclaim your name throughout this community, particularly during this season of the year when we remember that thou art the Savior born in Bethlehem. Be in our midst this morning to bring us closer to you. And if there are individuals in this congregation who are not saved, we pray that today would be the day of their new birth, a new recognition of the person Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, in whose name we pray. Amen. I think there is no doubt in anybody's mind, Christian or non-Christian, that there was a person named Jesus of Nazareth. That he was born in in Bethlehem. He had a mother by the name of Mary, and whether we recognize it or not, he had a father called Joseph. We as Christian people know that God was his father, but his earthly father was Joseph. He had brothers and sisters. He grew up. He preached, he died on a cross, he arose from the grave. That's all history. There's no doubt that there was such a person. Anybody who believes in any writing of history or anything of the Bible will have to acknowledge that there was a historic individual named Jesus whom many people believe was the Savior of the world. Of course, we as a church proclaim that. But really, who is he? And I say, who is he, not who was he? Because we believe that he still is. That he did not die as man normally thinks of death, but he lives today. And to proclaim the birth of Christ is to proclaim a living birth, one that did not cease 
at physical death, for he came back out of the grave, and we believe that he is alive, not only in the world today, but he is in heaven with the Father. In the second chapter of the Gospel of Matthew, we have the story of the wise men who came from somewhere in the east. They came to Jerusalem and they went to the palace of Herod the king and they inquired of Herod and his people as to where the king of the Jews was to be born for they had come to worship him. They inquired, where is he that is born king of the Jews? The wise men thought of Jesus in terms of being a king. And it was for this purpose that they had come to worship him. Born king of the Jews. Well, Herod, as you recall, inquired of his wise people where this person that they were speaking of could possibly be born, and they informed him that the scripture said that it would be in Bethlehem, and, and they quoted him the scripture. The wise men went to Bethlehem then, and they found the baby, and Mary, in the house, and they worshipped him, and they presented unto him gifts deserving of a king. They opened their gifts and gave him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They believed him to be a king. Jesus conceived of himself as a king. In the 25th chapter of Matthew, we have some writing of the Lord himself, beginning in verse 31. And if you have a red letter edition, you will find this in red letters. Matthew 25, 31. This, when the Son of Man, that is Jesus, he referred to himself as the Son of Man, when the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. He is going to sit upon a throne he himself acknowledged, and before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divideth the sheep from the goats. And he shall set the sheep on the right hand and the goats on the left hand. And then shall the king say, unto them on his right hand come ye blessed of my father inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world and on it goes but my point I want to make the wise men came believing that they were going to find a king Jesus proclaims himself as a king at some time you will discover in John 18.36 that Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight. He is a king. 
but of some kind of different world than we normally think of. Herod became very excited when he heard about the fact that the wise men had come to worship a newborn king. And he considered himself to be, or he considered Jesus to be a rival. This is the second, who is Jesus? Number one, Jesus is a king. Secondly, Jesus is a rival. Herod is king. And they say that there is a baby born in Bethlehem that is the king. Will take over his throne. It's more than just Herod considering Jesus a rival. It is Satan himself considering Jesus a rival. For remember Satan is the prince of this world by definition in the scripture. And Satan resents the presence of Jesus on the scene. We think that we have problems of man not wanting to have prayer in the school. It isn't that man doesn't want to have prayer in schools or in public functions. It is that Satan does not want it there. It's not that people does not uh, people do not want the teaching of the creation story alongside the uh, evolution story in our schools. It's that Satan does not want the teaching of the true creation of the world by God and wants man to teach that it evolved from some little bit of mud somewhere in a, in a vague sea. It isn't that man does not want to have freedom of religion in this country. It's that Satan wants to stifle the freedom of religion. What I'm saying is we are talking about a bigger rivalry than we are of Herod and Christ. We're talking about a rivalry between Satan and the Lord Jesus Christ. And Satan is attempting every way he can to interfere in the coming of the king into this world. The world resents any reverence to Jesus Christ because Satan resents any reverence to Jesus Christ. Sin is a pleasure. All of us have to admit that. We enjoy sinning. There's nobody that sins because he hates it. Have you ever done a sin you hate while you were doing it? No. We love to sin. For a little while, it seems so great, so pleasurable. Then when our minds begin to change and realize that we have in fact gone against the will of God, we become miserable not because we did not like the sin, but because Jesus Christ is beginning to interfere. 
And he's telling us that the way we're living is not right. Jesus taught morality and honesty and godliness. He taught life after death. He taught a future of eternity with God or with hell. And those things are disturbing because the world wants to eat, drink, and be merry. To live it up and not be faced with who Jesus really is. The Savior of the world. And we could probably add the judge of our lives. He's disturbing. He disturbs our personal life. We are constantly disturbed in our, in our personal life by the presence of Jesus Christ. He is a disturber of families as well. It's interesting to note in the 12th chapter of Luke that in the beginning of the 51st verse he says something about his, his rivalry, his disturbing things. But in the 51st chapter of chapter uh, verse of chapter 12 he says suppose ye that I am come to give peace on earth I tell you nay but rather division notice what he said I am come to give division for from henceforth there shall be five and one house divided three against two two against three the father shall be divided against the son the son against the father, the mother against the daughter, and the daughter against the mother, and the mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Notice all those divisions, and Jesus says he's the cause of them. Why? Because in most households in the world, there are those who believe in Jesus Christ, and there are those who don't believe in Jesus Christ. And he becomes the rival. Jesus is the one who interferes in friendships because people begin to give their uh, allegiance to him and take it away in some degrees to, to others and there becomes the rivalry. There's many a mother and a daughter who have been separated over allegiance to Jesus Christ. There's many a son and father who have been separated over that same allegiance. There are some of you sitting in this congregation this morning who are separated from some friend or some family because of your allegiance to Jesus Christ. Because he has become the most important person in all the world. And the family and the friends and the loved ones begin to resent that allegiance. Jesus is a rival. As much a rival as any suitors could be for the hand of any girl. For he begs and pleads for allegiance to him, even if it means division with friendship and family. All right, let's go on. Who is Jesus? Well, Nicodemus called him a great teacher. John chapter 3, we have the story of Nicodemus coming to the Lord and saying, 
Well, let me read it. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, the ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. All right, let's stop right there for a moment. Nicodemus was a Pharisee, a ruler of the Jews. He probably was a member of the Sanhedrin. And he realizes there's something different about this person, Jesus. And so in nighttime, in order that he might have some privacy, he comes to Jesus and says to him, Now, we know that you are a teacher. Because nobody could do the things that you do, the miracles that you perform, unless God is with him. But he still calls him nothing more than a teacher. The world will agree that Jesus is a great teacher. Muhammad would acknowledge him as a great teacher. Mahatma Gandhi, that great leader of India of some years ago, encouraged that his people read daily the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus preached. But Mahatma Gandhi never believed in Jesus as the Son of God. He thought of him as a great teacher. The world will agree that Jesus is a great teacher. There have been several people who have done surveys to find out who the the world thinks are the great people of the world, the great leaders of the world. They'll ask, give me the names of the ten most influential people in all the world. They will name Winston Churchill, Napoleon Bonaparte, uh, George Washington, Jesus Christ, somebody else, on and on. My point is Jesus gets in the list as being recognized as one of the great people of the world. Some people will put Mahatma Gandhi in that very list. Those who have influenced the world, he will be one of ten. Maybe. Because the world sees him as a great teacher. Now, he says to Nicodemus, after Nicodemus has made his comments, he goes on in verse 3 and says, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. But nobody reads that verse. You see, great teachers are only great teachers if they're teaching what I want to hear. And if their teaching gets beyond my desires, I'm willing to cut them off. And you as well, and the world in general, we stop listening at the point that the teaching begins to interfere with what I want to do and what I want to be. And so the world has been willing to put Jesus in the list. 
but never completely listen to what he teaches. One of the amazing things of my school teaching days when I taught social studies was teaching American history that the American history books never said anything about the personal lives of the people who signed the Declaration of Independence. And yet it was their personal convictions that caused them to write it the way that it is written. Do you know, with the exception of two or maybe three, every one of those men was a devout Christian? There are a few exceptions, and there are even questions about them. They were convicted in their hearts and minds, not just of the teaching of Jesus Christ that he was a great teacher, but they believed in him as the Savior and had accepted him as Savior. You simply have to go back and study the lives of those men and you will discover that they were Christian for the most part with few exceptions. Jesus is a great teacher. All right, what else is he? Well, Jesus asked his own disciples here in our text. He said to them on one occasion, what are men saying about me? Who do they say I am? 14th verse of Matthew 16. Whom say men that I am? Pretty good question. Who are, who do people say that I am? Well, that's fairly easy to answer. It's real easy to answer what other people say. And so, they say, well, people are saying that you're John the Baptist. Remember John the Baptist had uh, been beheaded. He was dead. And some people are saying that John the Baptist had come back to life and that Jesus, you're simply John the Baptist, resurrected. Other people saying, oh, you're Elijah, that old prophet Elijah. He's come back to life and that's who you are. Others are saying you're Jeremiah. Who does the church say Jesus is? Well, that's simple to come up with as well. The church says that Jesus is the Son of God. Don't we? The church says that Jesus is the Savior. They say he's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We could all come up with somebody who says he is so and so. But Jesus comes back and says to them, But who do you say that I am? And I think it's that question that we all must answer today. Who do you say he is? Do you have an answer formulated? Don't parrot somebody else. Don't parrot the church. Don't quote the preacher. Come up with your own statement. Who is Jesus to you? John the Baptist stood on one occasion with his disciples and saw Jesus coming and he said to his disciples, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. John the Baptist made his statement. 
Thomas was being stoned for his faith and he looked into heaven and he said behold I see the son of God standing on the right hand of the father he called him my Lord and my God that's who Thomas believed that Jesus is well Peter being the spokesman for the group I could imagine that they sort of looked at each other a little while trying to figure out who was going to speak. And I'm not sure that these men had ever formulated yet a statement in their own mind and heart as to who this person they were following really is. And that's the problem that many people have today. They're not willing to face the question, who really is Jesus? Now, I want to suggest some things to you this morning. I think it's only reasonable that we have an answer as to who he is. Peter said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. That's what Peter said. What do you say? What do you say? Who is he? Well, let me suggest some things. I want to suggest to you that if you believe that he is an, um, an imposter, as Paul thought for a long time, if you think Jesus is an imposter, I say to you, you ought to reject him and never darken the door of his house again. If you believe that. Evidently, no one in this congregation would believe that or else we would never have come to start with. But I am convinced in my mind that a person ought to be true to his conviction. If a person believes that Jesus is an imposter, he ought to ignore anything the church preaches too. If you believe that he is a great teacher, like Mahatma Gandhi believed, then I would suggest that you learn from him. But that you do not stop in your learning process until you have listened to all that he has to say. And when Jesus spoke to Nicodemus, he made a very profound statement that Nicodemus had not learned. And it's important for us as we listen to any teacher that we understand his complete message, not just a portion of it. I believe that as I preach, one of the things that really troubles me at times is that oftentimes people in the congregation only hear what they want to hear. They don't hear the complete message. And I know you do that because I'm guilty of doing the same thing when I sit back there. We have a tendency to only take what we want. But I would suggest to you that if you believe that Jesus is a great teacher, you ought to hear all he has to say. Listen to the full message. Thirdly, if you believe that he is a great man, he ought to be respected. 
if for nothing more than that. Any great man deserves respect. That would mean the blasphemy that this world casts against his name will have to be stopped. Who would honor the President of the United States and curse his name in the same breath? Who will respect Jesus as a great man and use his name in vain? If you believe he is a great man, respect him. Fourthly, if you believe that he is the Son of God, then you ought to love him. Is he the Son of God? Then love him as the Son of God. Love him for what he did in coming to this world and dying on the cross. Do you believe that he is the Savior? Then accept him. Don't be half-hearted about it. If you do not believe that he is the Savior of the world, I suggest you reject him. But if you believe that he is the Savior of the world, in due respect, how can you reject him? How can you? If he is the Savior, then accept him. And lastly, let me say that if you believe that he is Lord, then serve him. If you do not believe that he is Lord, you will not believe any of the other things that I've said positively about him. So there's no use going backward. But if you believe that he is Lord, then serve him. Follow him. Accept him. Love him. Who is Jesus to you? Shall we pray? Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description and email us at james.com sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.